All right, I want you to notice verse 14 of 1 Timothy 1. It says, And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. And I want to speak today on the doctrine of grace. And we're starting with this verse here in 1 Timothy because I believe this one verse right here sums up the doctrine of grace quite well. But before I expound on it, I do want to go through several scriptures about grace. I want to make sure we define it scripturally. And then we're going to come right back to this verse and show how this verse in a nutshell describes everything I believe the Bible teaches about grace and salvation. And so while this doctrine is so important and it's, it's such a necessary doctrine, it's also one that's been perverted in many religions. It's sad how many people don't know what grace is. They don't understand what grace is. And I think a proper understanding of grace, um, it should be considered an essential doctrine. And it's not considered an essential doctrine with many people. Many Baptists today are even teaching that we should get along and we should not even divide uh, with Calvinists, for example, over this doctrine. They'll talk about how like Calvinism is a secondary doctrine. But somehow, and, and they'll say that because in the early 1900s, a group of Protestants got together and they came up with the five fundamentals. And they didn't include the doctrine of grace in the fundamentals. And so since those Protestants all agreed, these are the five fundamentals, many people are saying those are the only things we should divide over. But I'm telling you, grace is really, really important. It is a very important doctrine. And I do believe that we should uh, we should divide over it. I believe it should be considered a fundamental doctrine. I don't care what the Protestants say. I consider it a fundamental doctrine. I consider it a primary doctrine. But I believe one of the reasons that the Protestants probably didn't include the doctrine of grace is because they didn't want to isolate the Calvinists. But here we don't care about that. And so while I would love to go and you know just destroy every false teaching associated with grace, we're mainly going to focus on the truth and what the Scriptures teach about this subject. But I do want to start out by saying, I believe in the doctrine of grace, but I reject the doctrines of grace. Okay? And what are the doctrines of grace? And, did you, and first off, did you know that the word doctrines with an S is never used in a positive way anywhere in the Scripture? We're not going to go through them, but it's always negative. Every time we see the word doctrines, it's always negative. Doctrine's always good. Doctrines is always negative. And the so-called doctrines of grace, I believe, are deceptively named and they put grace in there to make it seem as though what they are promoting is scriptural because we can find grace all over the Bible. But the doctrines of grace, known also as the tulip, um, in reality have nothing to do with grace. The doctrines of grace are basically the five points of Calvinism that are all false that are all full of words that you can't find in the Bible. And just because a word's not in the Bible doesn't mean the concept isn't there, but it is interesting that there are five pillars of Calvinism that they have named the doctrines of grace. Okay? You can't find most of these words in the Bible. For example, total depravity. Did you know total and depravity? Those words aren't in the Bible. And just kind of an interesting thing. Unconditional election. The word unconditional... That word's not in anywhere in the Scriptures. Limited atonement. Limited is used in the Scriptures once. And interestingly enough, if we look it up, it's in Psalm 78, 41. It says, Yea, they turned back and tempted God and limited 
the Holy One of Israel. Isn't that kind of what people are doing when they say the blood was limited only to those who God chose, only to the elect? They're kind of limiting the Holy One of Israel. So I think I find that interesting. But those words in atonements in the Bible, those words are never used together. Irresistible grace. Okay? For the word irresistible is not in the Scriptures, but in Acts 7.51, says, Ye stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and years, ye do always resist the Holy Ghost as your fathers did, so do ye. So they say, they teach you can't resist the grace of God, but yet in the Scriptures we see the Jews getting called out for resisting the Holy Ghost. So, interesting thing there. Perseverance of the saints. Now, these words are in the Scriptures, and coincidentally, this doctrine is on one hand the closest one they have to the truth, but at the same time, while it teaches once saved, always saved, they give glory to the saints rather than the Holy Spirit. We believe in the perseverance of the Holy Spirit. That's why we believe once saved, always saved. That's why we know, that's why we know we're saved. That's why we know we will go to heaven. Not because we know that we will persevere to the end, but that the Holy Spirit will persevere to the end. So we give all glory to God. Ephesians 6.18 says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. So right there we see those words, but notice we don't even see that concept taught in the Scriptures. And so I wish I had time to just kind of go after Calvinism, but I believe the best attack on Calvinism is to just teach grace the way the Bible teaches it. The more you learn about grace, the farther you will get from Calvinism. And so, first off, let's look at the first mention of grace in the Bible. I want everybody to really get a hold. I, I want you to understand what grace is by the end of this message. So, Genesis 6, 8 says, But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. It's the first time we see that word. This is stated after God has decided He is going to destroy man from the face of the earth. God said, I'm going to destroy the world because of all this wickedness. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And while God did destroy the rest of the world, God did not destroy this one man that found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And if we look up the Webster's 1828 definition of grace, it's favor, goodwill, kindness, disposition to oblige another as a grant made as an act of grace. Another definition is appropriately the free, unmerited love and favor of God, the spring and source of all the benefits men receive from Him. So many people will describe grace as unmerited favor. And I believe, first off, that is a very accurate definition of what grace is. But does the definition unmerited favor fit the Bible's use of the word grace. And I think we're going to see that it does as we go through this. But I hope also by the end of this message, you will understand not only how appropriate that definition is, but you will also understand what it means. Because in Calvinist land too, grace is like something that we can't understand. And that's not true. Okay, this, th There are some things that at one time were not understood, but they have been revealed. This is something that has been revealed to man. And we'll show you scripture on that in a little bit. It is possible to make sense of grace. Or is it possible to make sense of grace? Or is it just some unknown thing that we can't possibly understand? Like the Calvinists teach. Because there's like, I, I, I'm not saying I understand it. But you know, it's there in the scriptures that God chooses some for salvation, he doesn't others. I know that seems unfair to you, but that's just because we don't, you don't understand grace. We don't understand grace. 
No, actually, we do understand grace. Okay? We do. I just want to say that right now. We understand grace. I'm not, and I'm not saying this like I am just some enlightened individual. No, this is something God revealed to man. This is something that God showed us. We understand how grace works. We now understand. I do believe it was a mystery. When Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord, it was a mystery at one time what caused Noah to find favor with God. But it's not a mystery anymore. It, it, at one time, it was a mystery why Abel found grace. While all the people in the Scriptures found grace, but it is not a mystery anymore. We get it. We understand it. God's Word has revealed it. The grace of God that brings salvation, it hath appeared to all men. And so you better believe it's something we can understand now. Titus 2.11 says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. Okay, When something appears to us, what's it saying? This has been revealed. We now get this. This is something that previously was not understood, but God has revealed it to man. And this grace teaches, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Looking for that blessed hope in the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. And let me tell you, some of what I'm saying about Calvinists and about the demented grace doctrine that they teach, people will get upset about that. But you know what? We're going to speak these things with all authority. I am going to stand up here with all authority and I'm going to say, you better believe we can understand grace today because it has been revealed by God. It's not a mystery. It's not something that is hidden. God has revealed it to man. And what many people and many religions are teaching about grace is false. It's a lie. What we're teaching here today is the truth and we're going to speak it with all authority. And you know what? People will despise us, but at the same time, it will not affect us. We're not going to let them have any influence over us, even though more and more I'm seeing more and more Baptists falling away into false doctrine, and they're and you know and they're not accepting Calvinism. It's like oh, I, I disagree with it, but I think they're our brothers, and I think we should fellowship. It's like, are you kidding me? This is a fundamental doctrine. Okay, well, no, that's not what the Protestants say. We're not Protestants. Okay, we're independent fundamental Baptists, and so here at Liberty Baptist Church, grace is a fundamental doctrine. This is an important doctrine. You disagree with us on grace at Liberty Baptist Church, you should probably go find another church somewhere that you can go to. And that's probably because we aren't going to compromise on this subject here. So let me just go ahead and explain grace to you, but then we're going to prove it from the Scriptures, okay? So first off, let me ask you some questions that there are answers to. Okay, let's, let's think a little bit. First off, the Bible is clear that Noah found grace. You know what that means? Noah found favor where other people did not find favor with God. There was something that God saw in Noah that caused Noah to have favor with God that God did not see in other people. It's not a mystery what that was. It's not a mystery what that was. Many Calvinists, when they go to uh, Romans chapter 9, it talks about Jacob have I loved and Esau have I hated. You know, that was talking about, you know, hey, you know, who can know what, you know, the mind of God? And they're taking that completely out of context. They're going somewhere where Paul's mind had never went to and never would have went to in a thousand years. We don't have time to go through Romans chapter 9. But I'm here today to tell you, we can know 
what caused people to find, to find, or to find favor with God. God favored. Did God not favor Abel over Cain? I mean, the Bible is very clear about that. God had respect unto Abel and his offering, but he didn't unto Cain's. God favored Jacob over Esau. We see that spelled out in the Scripture. There, and there is something that caused this favor that has been revealed. It wasn't nothing. It was, in fact, something they did not understand back then during that time. But it is something that we fully understand now because it has been revealed. And unless you're a Calvinist, you should be able to get a hold of this because it has been revealed to man. Turn over to 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 9. Notice what he says. Receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls, of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you. Why would these prophets say something and write about something they didn't even understand? Here's exactly why. Because they weren't just writing what they understood. They were writing the words of God. The holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. They weren't speaking. Isaiah wasn't speaking Isaiah's words. He was speaking God's words. Jeremiah, he was speaking God's words. And they didn't always understand what they were writing and what they were saying. But you know what they did do? They wrote and they said exactly what God told them to say. Because God was showing, God was going to reveal something in the future, later. God was going to open up people's understanding. So we can now go back in these Old Testament passages and we look at them and we get it. We understand it because it has now been revealed. But when the prophets originally wrote these things, they didn't understand it. And he said, goes on to say, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ, which was in them, did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow, unto whom it was revealed, that not unto themselves, but unto us, they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things angels desire to look into. So here are the two things that were revealed in the New Testament that in reality are one. So can anybody tell me the one word that would describe why Noah would have found grace, why Abel found favor, why Enoch found favor. Can anybody in one word explain what that is? Faith. Right? Faith. Now, that was revealed in the New Testament. That was, that's what it was. Okay? It was faith. We get, you know, we, so we now, we look back at, at, Moses, or at uh, Noah. We look back at Abel. And we understand that it was their faith. But did you know the word faith is only used in the Old Testament two times? One time it's talking about Israel, it says children in whom is no faith. And then in Habakkuk, it's quoted several times where it says the just shall live by faith. So faith for sure existed in the Old Testament. And many people had that faith. And those people found grace with God. They found favor with God. And it has been revealed in the New Testament that that's what it was that got them saved. Why? So we now know Abraham believed God and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. We talked about the faith of Abraham, but that word is only used two times in the Old Testament, but it's now been revealed to us. Hebrews chapter 11 gives several examples in verse 4. says, By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead yet speaketh. It's no longer a mystery. 
why God chose Abel over Cain. Verse 5, by faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Do you know it's no longer a mystery why God translated Enoch? Now, if you go back and you look at just Genesis, what was so special about that guy? You're not going to know for sure, but it's been revealed. Faith. Enoch was obviously just a man of great faith. Verse 7. By faith, Noah, being warned of God, of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared in his ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is by faith. It is no longer a mystery why Noah found grace. Now, here's where the Calvinists will end up getting tripped up. Because they try to prove, they, they try to one-up everybody on the knot of works, like we talked about last Sunday night. They try to one-up everybody on the knot of works phrase or the knot of yourself phase. Now, this is where, okay, I, I know this seemed like very simple about grace, okay, but it, it's about to become even more clear. Okay, because here's the other thing too. We now understand why they found grace. It was faith, right? But at the same time too, why does faith cause God to have so much favor with us? And did you know, that's not a mystery anymore either. That has also been revealed why God is so pleased with faith. Why God favors those who are of faith over those who are not of faith. That is also that has also been revealed. And so we do. They'll, you know, the Calvinists, they will hear the evangelical people out there who are truly evangelical calling people to have faith in God. And they're like, well, you know, it's, the Bible says it's not of yourself. So you can't go tell somebody to have faith. And, you know, and you can't think that you're saved because you had faith because, you know, that implies that it's something of yourself. And, you know, it's just grace. We don't understand it. You know, and if, if you have faith, it's just because God gave it to you because he elected you to have faith. And don't have time to get into all that. And, and, but, and, I, and I think I'm representing them correctly when I say all these things. But understand they're missing something again that's so important. They're missing something. There was a time when man did not understand why God showed grace to someone. And let me just clarify, dude, that God showing grace to some and not to others, does not in any way mean that grace wasn't available to all. There, there's nothing that says that, you, uh, that says that in the Scriptures. The word Again, the word faith, it's only in the Old Testament twice. It was a mystery why some found grace, but it's not anymore. So, the big question, while we now understand that faith is what caused people to find favor... Is it possible to understand why faith is such a big deal? And it is. It is possible because the Scripture shows us. The Bible tells us. And let me explain why faith is such a big deal and where Calvinists are missing the boat. So, first off, when God sees our faith, it doesn't cause Him to look at us and think, wow, they're really something because they have faith. Did you see their faith? They're really something God is not all of a sudden impressed with us because somehow we mustered up faith within us. And that's not what causes God to look at us with favor. Not at all. My faith in Christ doesn't make my sin less sinful. 
and it doesn't make my works more acceptable according to the law. Okay, listen. When it comes to the keeping of the law, none of us have our rights to look down our noses at anybody because we are all lawbreakers. We are all sinners. We, all, we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. So what is it about faith that causes God to look at us with favor, that causes us to find grace? And I think, I think a good way to explain this is, you know, take for, take for example, you know, uh, you know, we've got, we've got Chloe and Allie right there. Okay. They're next to each other. They're, they're about the same age, you know, and they are, they're similar in, in many ways. But at the same time, can anybody guess why, why I would maybe look at the two of them and find favor with one more than the other? Can, can anybody guess? Why that be? One's my daughter, right? Isn't that the most natural thing in the world? You know, think about it too. You know, uh, hopefully, hopefully in the near future, I'll become a grandpa. Okay? You know, ho- hopefully. All right. Uh, I- I'm looking forward to that day. Okay? Now, when that child comes, I mean, it's, it's not, it's not my child, but at the same time too, and, and, and think about babies. Babies can't do anything, but yet how it is the easiest thing in the world to love a baby, isn't it? Especially when it's yours. And you know what? Whenever a grandbaby comes along, it is the most normal thing for a grandparent to love that baby in a big way. And I haven't experienced that yet. I'm, my dad, when he became a grandpa, he talked about it a lot. He, I mean, he did. He talked about it so much. Sometimes I was like, I think he loves that baby more than I do. And I, and I loved it a lot. <laughs> but, you know, but at the same time, you know, what is it? You know, and, and, and I can imagine this, okay? I, I, I can only imagine it, but when I have a grandbaby, okay, I, I, some things I, I know for sure I've just not experienced yet, but one of the things that will cause me to love that baby is because it came from my child. It came from my son. When I see that baby, when I watch that baby, when I observe that baby, you know what one of the first things you, you, everybody does when they look at a baby? All right, they want to find a similarity. Does it have my eyes? Does it have my nose? Does it have this? You know, you want to see yourself somewhere in there. And when you see it, it brings you great joy, doesn't it? It brings you a, a great feeling of pride is the way we would put it today. As God put it, we would be say we are well pleased with what we see. You know, Tommy's talking about, you know, if he has a boy, you know, when they have a child, if it's a boy, naming it Tommy the fourth. And it would also have my name. Boy, do you think I'm not going to favor that baby? More than other people's babies out there. Listen, I love babies. Okay, you know, I, I, I love the babies in this church. But can anybody see why I might find a little more favor in one over the other? And let me tell you, you all are the same way. So nobody get mad at me. <laughs> and I and I hope you are the same way. You know, if somebody came to me and was like, "Brother, I think I like your kids better than mine." It's like, uh, you, you need a, you need a, something's wrong with you. Okay? I got I've got good kids, but you should like your kids better. Because they're your kids. That, 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 that's how everyone should feel. And so the reason God looks at us and has favor is because of Christ. It's because of His Son. Let me show you this. Matthew 3.17, remember, and a low voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. John 3.35, The Father loveth the Son and hath given all things into His hand. He that believeth on the Son 
hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. John 5.19 Then answered Jesus and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing of himself, but that which he seeth the Father do. For what things soever he doeth, these also doeth the Son likewise. For the Father loveth the Son, and showeth him all things that himself doeth, and he will show him greater works than these, that ye may marvel. The reason God loves us so much and favors us so much is because He loves Jesus so much. 1 John 5, 4, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is He that overcometh the world? But He that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. So understand, thankfully, while we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. That God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. God sent Jesus into this world and, and, the, and Jesus Christ made atonement for the sins of the entire world. The sin, that Je- the, the sin death that Jesus carried on the cross was not just the sins of the elect. It was the sins of the world. His blood that He shed was an atonement for the sins of the entire world. The Bible's very, Bible's very clear on that. And when He did that, He offered a free gift of salvation to all. The Bible is very clear. Whoever believes on Him is cleansed. Whoever believes on Him, the Bible shows us that our spirit is born of God. It is regenerated. We now have a living, that living spirit of God in us. We now have Christ within us when we believe on Christ. And so when a person has faith, when they put their faith in Christ, His blood cleanses us. He regenerates. And you know what? We now have grace and we have favor with God because just like grandkids are automatically loved, God automatically loves us because He loves Jesus. So understand that grace that we have. It's not because God's looking at us. It's because of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ gets the credit for all these things. When God looks at someone of faith, they have favor because He sees His Son. It's not because He saw us get in a baptismal and get baptized. It's not because He saw you go to church. It's not because He saw that you repented of some sins in your life. That's not what causes God to have grace and favor with you. What causes God to have grace and favor with you is when He sees the Son. When He sees Jesus Christ. And so when a person has faith, they find favor with God because of Jesus. So when Abel, by faith, offered a lamb, while yes, he had faith, that faith caused God to see Jesus, not Abel. God, God saw Jesus, and that's where that favor was. And I'm telling you, it is, it is something special. You know, even, you know, even, you know, I've, uh, you know, I've got my nieces and nephews, okay? My nieces and nephews are also special to me because of the fact that they come from my sisters. And I love my sisters. And you know what? And, and there, and there's just something too, when I look at my nieces, you know, uh, that, you know, they, the ones that look like their mom too. And I do, I see my sister and then, and it does, it causes a good feeling. And especially too, cause it makes me think back to the days when my sisters were that age. And I see all those similarities and it does, it causes a feeling of favor. And all of a sudden that little child that literally all it did was it made a face, but that face that it made reminded me of their mother who I love, and it causes me to have 
more favor with them. And isn't that, that's something we've all experienced. Isn't that a, a, a natural thing? And when we do, when there's someone that we care about, when there's someone that we deeply love, and then we meet someone or we see somebody and they have those similar characteristics, they do, they have a favor that they wouldn't have if we did not, if we did not already have love for someone else. And so the Bible is very clear that the Father loves the Son. God loves Jesus Christ. And so whenever we have faith, and then, and that work of Christ is done in our life, God is able to see Christ in us. And we say that, we often say that too about how, you know, thankfully God does not see our works, He sees Jesus' works. And that's where the grace comes in. That's where the grace comes in because He sees Jesus. God has never been impressed with my, you know, any work that I have done, but whenever I have faith, anytime I do anything by faith, He sees Jesus whom he is well pleased with. And then all of a sudden, I find that grace. I find that favor with God. But it's again, it's because of Jesus. That's why God, uh, that, that's why we end up finding grace. So when a person believes on Christ, they're born again. They have favor with God. Not because we pleased him with our works. Not because we pleased him because we never committed certain sins that really bad people commit. That's not what made us please God. It wasn't because of our keeping of the law. We broke the law. But because we come from His beloved Son in whom He is well pleased. And I I look forward to the day too. I I, I look forward to the day when I'm able to watch my grandkids do things like their parents. It will bring me pleasure. I can't wait to see Jason reap a lot of the things that he's sown. And one of the reasons too, because many... I've had to reap many things that I have sown <laughs> through through Jason. You know, and I, I remember one of the funniest things ever. My me and two of my cousins, when we were all like one and two years old, um, my, our my my parents and their parents took us to a studio to get our picture taken together. And apparently it was a nightmare. It's not a very good picture, but apparently it was a complete and total nightmare because we were all being really bad. And so we uh, so the thing is when we all grew up those two cousins, we all had boys around the same time. They were around that same age and we were all together and we're like, hey, let's go get our boys picture taken like we did when we were little. We thought it'd be great. And I remember my mom went to Walmart when we were doing it and our guess what? Our boys were all being really bad and it was a nightmare. And I remember I looked over and I saw my mom just laughing and laughing and she was just, she just thought it was the greatest thing. Because she saw us getting, <laughs> getting the same thing that we all had given her. And I think it brought her great pleasure <laughs> to, to see that, to see that kind of thing. And I, I look forward to that. And it will. And so those little, those little things that those grandbabies do that aren't impressive in any way. The fact that it causes me to think about my children and whom I am well pleased. My children whom I love very much it will cause me to have great favor towards them. And so whenever we have faith as believers, whenever even after we're saved and we do things by faith, God's not looking at us and thinking, wow, look at the way they go to church. Look at the way they give. Look at the way they do whatever. No, when God sees us having faith, He sees Christ. And then God has favor. Then all of a sudden we're pleasing Him. And it's, and it's like too, you know, it's like, like grandkids, you know, it's like they can do no wrong. You know, my dad, who would spank me for everything, 
You know, it was like whenever he would see me spanking the kids, it's like, ah, you know, he'd almost act displeased. It's like, you spank me for this stuff all the time. You know, and, you know, and that's just kind of, how, that's kind of how it is. And so God, it is, I mean, it is, he does, he shows great favor with us as if we can do no wrong. But why is that? It's not that we can do no wrong, but Jesus can do no wrong. And God sees Christ in us. So that grace, that favor we have, it is, it's all about Jesus Christ. Our favor that we have was not based on any merit of our own. It's not based on our keeping of the law or anything like that. Even my faith that I put in Christ was not some kind of merit that God saw in me. My faith in the work of Jesus Christ is what causes God to look at Jesus instead of looking at me. That's what I need. That's what we all need. And now I have favor because God can see the Son in me. And what makes Him see the Son in me? Well, the blood of Christ cleanses from all sin. That's why we must come to Christ. We have to come to Christ. We must tell people the gospel of Jesus Christ. We must show them that they are too sinful, that their, that their own works of the law cannot save them, that their own goodness, their own religious practices can't save them. No, they must come to Christ. They must get God looking not at their works, but looking at the works of Jesus Christ. And we do that by coming to Him by faith and recognizing our sinful condition, recognizing what Jesus did for us on the cross through His death, burial, and resurrection, and calling on the Lord for salvation. When we do that, we're cleansed. God now sees Jesus Christ, and we have favor with God. God looks at God. God can look at somebody like me. God can look at somebody like you. And while there's really not much difference between us and the rest of the world, okay? Again, you know, with, with Al, with Ali and Chloe. I've, you know, they, they do, they have many similarities. And as far as mankind is concerned, you know, there's, there's not these great differences, but just that, that family connection is a very powerful thing, isn't it? It is a very powerful thing, and it means a lot, and that's what it, God looks at. There is basically no, di- there is no difference between us and the rest of the world that makes any difference. What, the only thing that makes the difference is Jesus Christ. And that's why it's insane, too. We have people today acting like certain ethnicities have a special place with God. That's absolutely insane. Absolutely not. There is no ethnicity that has one place of prominence over another. There's only Jesus Christ. There's only those who are in Christ that have any prominence. You say, well, what about in the Old Testament? Hey, during the Old Testament, those people were very important because God promised His Son was going to come from them. And the Son came. It was always Jesus that was impo- that was important. It was always Jesus that made the difference. It was always because of Jesus why God told people, you keep your hands off Israel. You don't touch those people. You touch them, you touch in the apple of mine eye. You know why? Because His Son was going to come from them. And just like my wife is very important to me, and my, my wife is very important to me for many reasons, but even too, when she started carrying one of my children too, she became even more special to me. And even though she's not carrying a child anymore, she's the one who did carry him, so she's still special to me. But understand, God did. God has. God loves the Son. The Son is what matters. Jesus Christ is everything. His grace and favor in the life of individuals was based 100% on God's love for Jesus and His work. And there are other children in the world who may they might be smarter than my children. They might be more talented than my children. But you know what? They will never have more favor with me. Because they're not my children. And we do. We have favor with God because of Jesus Christ. And so let's go back and look at a couple of scriptures now. So 1 Timothy 1.14. Notice what, it, what Paul said. And the grace of our Lord. 
And Paul's referring, talking about himself too, who received this grace, who was a very wicked sinner. He said, I'm the chief of sinners. And he said, and the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. Now, does that make sense? That faith and love? Boy, God, I mean, listen, Paul, there was nothing about Paul that made him worthy of God's love. But yet, there was this abundant mercy with faith because of that love which is in Christ Jesus. Because man, God loves Jesus so much. And Jesus, His sacrifice for sins was so good. When Paul had faith in that, it caused abundant mercy to come and abundant love. And we do. We have all of those things. But Jesus gets all the credit and all the glory. Titus 3.5 says, Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which He shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that being justified by His grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. We're justified by His grace. What does that mean? We find that favor with God. We find that justification based on that grace and that favor that Christ has with God. That's why, too, we even preach here that Jesus and the works of Christ is the proof of our salvation. We have many Baptists confusing the daylights out of people who are probably saved. The people that are confusing are probably saved because they are making proof of salvation based on their works. Well, that's not what we see in the Bible. You know, we're, and, and they're making it like if you're not doing all these things, you probably really don't have that grace. Listen, if you have faith, if you then guess what? You've got that grace because of Jesus Christ. It's about His works. His works. Listen, even my performance now, based on the law, will not cause me to gain any favor with God because I'm still a lawbreaker. But whatever I do by faith will cause me to have favor with God because He'll see Jesus Christ, which is where the favor comes is. Is, is with, it's with Jesus Christ. And so we've got to make sure we keep Jesus the focus. Listen, I want to see people change as much as anybody when they get saved. But we don't ever want to muddy up the gospel and pervert the gospel by making it about what that person does in their life. Nothing we do can cause us to find favor with God. Only Jesus can cause us to find favor with God. Jesus is where the grace comes from. We get in on Christ's favor with God. And, and listen, we understand this. Folks, we get in on Christ's favor with God. There is a saying that we've all probably heard before. But if, I, for example, uh, I could say it about Aaron. If, let's say I met somebody. He's like, hey, I'm a friend of Aaron. And what, what do we hear people say? Hey, any friend of Aaron's is a friend of mine. What does that mean? What, what's that person saying? That's saying, hey, I favor him so much. I like him so much. If he thinks you're a good person then you probably are a good person. I like him so much. If he, if he likes you, if you're somebody that pleases him, then you know what? You please me too. And th that's, how, that's how it is. And we are. We're all like that. Have you ever met a family member of somebody that you cared about? And you do. You just automatically care about that person. You automatically find favor with that person. Why? Because you love the person that they remind you of. And it is, it's always, it's, it's always interesting meeting family members of people that you've known for a long time. You start seeing those similarities. 
you start seeing those mannerisms like, yeah, that's definitely their son. That's definitely their parent or whatever. That's definitely their brother or sister. We've all experienced that before. And we do. We immediately have favor with that person. They didn't have time to do anything. They didn't have, they didn't have time to do anything special. But at the same time, because they just walked in the room and they reminded you of somebody that you love, they kind of have a special place with you. You, you want to be kind to them. You wouldn't want, you wouldn't want to hurt even the family member of somebody that you love. People here in this church, when I've met some of your family members, it's caused me to have positive feelings. I would not want to displease those people. I would not want to hurt those people. Not because they've done something that's made me love them, but because I love you and I know that they're special to you. And that's how it is with, with our relationship between us and God. God loves us because of Jesus Christ. We have favor with God because of Jesus Christ. And so 2 Timothy 1.7, 2 Timothy 1.7, this next passage is going to prove that it was also Jesus that caused God to have favor with those who were of faith even before Christ came. Look what it says here. For God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou a partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God who has saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. So do you see it, folks? We can't understand grace today. We can't understand faith. It all makes sense now. The Calvinists are wrong. It's not just some mysterious thing that only God knows. No, it was a mysterious thing, but God has showed us what it is. It was faith. And the reason that faith made all the difference is because faith caused God to see Jesus Christ who would pay for their sins rather than their own works. And it has now been manifested to us. And so we do. We preach Christ. We preach salvation by grace. We preach it without works. And we, we try to get people believing on Christ and trusting in Him. Why? Because if they will put their faith and trust in Christ, they will be cleansed and God will no longer look at their works. God will see Jesus Christ. They will have favor with God because of Jesus Christ. And so the reason God loves us is because of Jesus All merits that would cause love come from Jesus, not ourselves. While God loves the Son, understand, He loves you too. Because of the Son. Jesus is what makes us special. He's the difference. That's why when we go soul winning, we ask people, how do you know if you're going to go to heaven? We want to hear Him say, Jesus. We want to hear Him talk about Jesus. That's the only way. If they just say, Baptist, that's not enough. Okay, You don't find favor with God because you're Baptist. You find favor with God because of Jesus. We don't want to hear him say Catholic. We don't want to hear him say I'm a good person. We don't want to hear him say I never killed anybody. We don't want to hear him say any of those things. We don't even want to hear him just say because of God himself. Hey, did you go through the sun? Listen, I, I I want to get to God too. But Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Why? Why do we have to go through Jesus? Well, because there's nothing in us that would cause God to be able to accept us But boy, he sure loves that son. 
And anyone who, who comes through Christ find that acceptance. And they find that love from God. All glory goes to Jesus Christ for everything. The doctrine of grace is this in a nutshell. I am loved and accepted by God, not based on any merit of my own, but by the merits of Jesus Christ. This is why all who will be saved must come through Jesus Christ. None of us are capable of earning any favor with God based on our works. But if we'll put our faith in the blood of Christ, He will cleanse us. He will regenerate our spirit, causing us to be born again. God will now be able to see Jesus Christ in us because of what Jesus did. Because of that resurrection of the Spirit that He gave us. And we, and we are, will now be accepted by God thanks to the Son. And one of these days when Jesus Christ returns, you know what He's going to do? First off, if you die today, it's just going to be your soul and spirit that's going to go to heaven. Your body's going to stay here and it's going to rot in the ground. But one of these days when Christ returns, He's going to change our vile body into one like His glorious body. And we will be able to physically be in the presence of God because of what Jesus did for us. And you know what He's going to do? When He comes back and He changes our body, He's making us acceptable to the Holy God. And you know what? The Bible says when that day comes, we will, be, we will be like Christ. And so guess what? When we're like Christ, we're going to have all kinds of favor with God. But man is, man, right now we're too sinful. And so all glory goes to Jesus Christ. So folks, grace, it was a mystery. Grace was definitely a mystery at one time. It was something the prophets, they looked into, they didn't fully understand. But you know what? It has now been revealed. It has been manifested. And if it is still a mystery to someone out there, they need to look in their Bible again. Maybe they need to get saved. Because the grace is no longer a mystery. It all comes from God's favor with Jesus Christ. And so, that, let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank You so much for Your grace. And Lord, I'm thankful that we can understand why it is. I'm thankful it's not a mystery anymore and that You have revealed these things to us. And so, Lord, I pray You'll help us to uh, not let anyone corrupt this message, pervert this message, complicate this message, but help us to keep it simple uh, as been revealed in your words and help us to spread this message far and wide that uh, no matter what people have done, they can come to you, they can be saved. And I pray you'll uh, help us as we try to spread that message and get people trusting in you rather than themselves. In your name we pray. Amen.